week on God the Father. And I just got so blessed I didn't get through, so I'm going to finish it today, Lord willing. You know, we talked about it, that before God was a creator, he was a father. The father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he created anything, he was a father. Everything God created, he had the imprint of the fatherhood on all creation. You can see it in every form, everything he did was out of his love. Paul starts out the Ephesians letter with this. He starts out, not about us being reconciled, but God the Father. He starts out with God's eternal purpose, God's ultimate intention that Christ came to the earth to die on the cross for man, to redeem us, to exchange us, but far more than that, to bring us into a vital union with him and his son. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son. Amen? What was we called into? Fellowship. Why did God create Adam and Eve? Fellowship. God wants fellowship. And that's why he created us. In 1 John 1, I think about verse 3, he says, That which we've seen and heard declare we unto you that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. So fellowship was what God was intending. Sin was something Jesus took care of. And you know how most of the church for all these years has focused on sin and redemption and not what the second part that Jesus came to reveal the Father, the Father's heart to the church. And that's why he, he came. In Ephesians, it said, let's, let's read here. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and the faithful in Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you. It says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of God and what? Father. See, that's the emphasis here. Of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before sin ever entered, he chose us in Christ. <clears throat> it's incredible <clears throat> that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predetermined or predestined us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ into himself, according to the good pleasures of his will. You know, this is shouting ground stuff. I mean, you could shout a little while right here. Because it's not even talking about sin and the issues of sin. He's showing what God's purpose was in the beginning for us. And it never changed even though Adam sinned. It never changed. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted. That word accepted, remember, is highly favored in the beloved. Not just favored, highly favored. This word just used twice. The other time is when the angel said to Mary, you are highly favored. Every one of you are highly favored in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but no yeah, buts. No. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. See, that's, a, that's the second part. According to the riches of the grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known his will according to the good pleasure which he purposed in what? In himself, that in the dispensation of fullness of time, he might gather... Together in one, say that's me, 
all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, predetermined, according to his purpose of him that works all things after the counsel of his own will. You know, that will's a good little word. It's used a lot of times. But if you don't check the Greek, you don't really see this. That word will, God's will, this is thelema here. It is the, the word thelema is his desire and his pleasure. It is his pleasure 64 times. That's 2307 if you want to look it up. And then there's thelo. Thelo, it's his wish, his desire. It's used 208 times. It's his desire that it's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But there's a little word, bolema. Bolema. And it is 1013. And it's only used twice, but one of them is the main thing. In Romans 919, it says, Who can resist his will? That is his purpose. That is his resolve. Nobody. If he purposed it, it's going to stand. See, a lot of things he desires, but there's some things that's going to happen because it's his purpose that it will happen. Amen? Okay. Okie doke. Let me go on down here. Finally, the apostle brings us to see the goal to which the Father is working. That in the dispensation, the goal was to bring into one everything in heaven and everything in earth, all these things in Christ in one. It's his eternal purpose for that. His ultimate intention was to bring us into this. We understand that's why Paul started. Adam's fall just kind of put a little glitch in his plan, but not really because Jesus was purposed to come. And it says here, Jesus came to the earth to die on the cross for man's redemption. His coming included a far more reaching purpose to share himself through his vital union with man and blending the human and the divine. We understand that's why he came. And that's what he was talking about. And we see that God did everything he could to bring us back into. That's why that we call the exchange. The three frames of exchange. To bring us out of Adam into Christ. The justification. It, it covers several things. First it covers the grave or the tomb. That's what baptism's all about. Colossians 2.11, it says, In whom we are circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, in putting off the body of sins, that old corrupt carnal nature, this is amplified, when we were baptized into Christ and raised into a new life. And the resurrection was another. When he raised us up, we were raised to walk in him in the newness of life. And also, three, when he ascended, we ascended with him and was made to sit with him in heavenly places. The whole church was raised... When he was resurrected, we were resurrected. When he ascended, we ascended. When he sat down, we sat down in the right hand of the Father. That's glorious. That's what the church was all about. That's why he came. And we see that. And we see in, in John fourteen eight, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And that day you'll know that I'm in my Father and the Father in me. And he, he, and he says that the comforter, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I don't want to do that right now. You are Christ's body. Every one of us are members of his body. And that's what he's done for us. And that's why it's so important. Now, we can go on. 
God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's described as such in many parts of the Bible. The intimate personal relationship between the Father and His Son existed before creation ever began. The fatherhood of God. John 1.1 says, In the beginning, before time began, was the Word. The Word was Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This fact reveals something unique and special about the nature of God the Father. In God, there is not only fatherhood, but relationship. You remember a while ago I talked to you, the relationship, fellowship. And in the book of Acts, it says they had everything in common. They had everything in common. Relationship. Koinonia is that word. It's fellowship. Intimate fellowship. Okay. In God, there's not only fatherhood, but also relationship. In 1 John 4.16, it reveals another fact about God's eternal nature. God is what? Love. Agape. God is love. <clears throat> if we put these two facts together with its God of fatherhood, we arrive at a most wonderful conclusion. God as Father created everything in creation in His love. Remember Galatians 5, 6? In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith, which is motivated by what? Love. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5, 14. And he says, the love of God constrains us. The love of God keeps us from flying apart. For we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he died for all that they that live should no longer live for that old thing, but for that new exchange person. And that's why if any man is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. The old things are gone, and behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God who hath exchanged us to himself. Exchanged us to himself. To what? Himself. That was his plan all along. Okay. In countless ways, the universe he created is the expression and outworking of the Father's love. Everything God has created responds to its own, in its own appropriate way to his love. You remember when Jesus said, if these, they said, tell these children to be quiet. And Jesus said, hey, if these children hold their peace, the rocks are going to cry out. All creation is going to cry out. All creation. I don't understand that responds to his love and to him. And he's aware of every bit of that creation he's made. He's aware of every little thing. It's, it's mind-blowing, really, it is. <clears throat> Everything has, that God creates responds. Isaiah forty-three twenty, when he says, Remember not the former things, in verse 19, neither consider the old things. Behold, I do a new thing, and it will spring forth speedily. And he says this, the beast of the field shall honor me. The dragons are jackals, wild dogs, the owls, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. All creation will honor me. That's incredible. You know, 104 in the Passion, I want to read Psalms 104. Everything I, everything I am will praise and bless the Lord, O Lord, my God. Your greatness takes my breath away. 
overwhelming me by your majestic beauty and splendor. You wrap yourself with shimmering, glimmering light. You wear sunshine like a garment of glory. You stretch out the starry skies like a tapestry. You build your balconies with light beams and ride as king in a chariot you made from clouds. You flop on the wings of the wind. You make your messengers into the winds of spirit. All your ministers become flames of fire. That's you. Say, that's me. According to Hebrews. <coughs> you, O creator, form the earth and you hold it together. See, what did I just read in 2 Corinthians 5.14? You hold all things together. It says, you, O creator, form the earth and you hold it together so it will never fall apart. You poured the ocean depths over the planet, submerging mountains beneath. You set the sound of your thunder shouts. The waters all fled away, filling the deep with seas. The mountains rose up, the valleys sank to levels you decreed for them. You set the boundary line for the seas. Man. And commanded them not to trespass. You sent springs cascading through the valleys, flowing freely between mountains and hills. You provide drink for the living things, for every living thing. Men and beasts have their thirst quenched because of you. The birds build their nests near the tranquil streams, chirping their joyful songs from the branches above. <coughs> from your kindness, you send the rain to water the mountains. From the upper rooms of the palace, your goodness brings forth fruit for all to enjoy. Is that good stuff? Psalms 147 here, verse 2, says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers all the outcasts and brings them home. He heals the wounds of ever shattered hearts. How does he do that? He gives you a new heart. He sets the stars in place, calling them all by their names. How great is our God. Now, how many stars is there? Has anybody got any clue? How many billions of stars there are? He named every one of them. He put every one of them in place, and he gave them a name. Do you think he has any problem setting the body of Christ, everyone where it pleases him? Huh? It's, it's, you can't even, like Jenna said, your mind can't even go there with what all he's done and how all creation responds to him. It's no wonder in, in Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> it says, all creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. So they will be delivered from the corruption that man caused into the glorious liberty that was made for it. All creation. And you know, it's still, it's still waiting because we are already sons of God. First John says, now are you the son of God? Now are you the children of God? And it does not yet appear what you shall be, but we know when we see him, we shall be like him for we see him as he is. Now, I don't like the next verse because it says, Every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. No. The Greek says, Every man that has his hope in the Lord. God, he purifies him even as he is pure. How do you like that? What does it do? It takes the emphasis off of you and puts it back on him where it should be. You ain't going to purify yourself. Give me an amen. amen. All right. <clears throat> Matthew 10, 29. 
He says, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father. Did you hear that? Not one sparrow can fall without your father knowing that sparrow fall. That's the creator that created all of this out of his father's love for all creation. And and it's staggering. You know, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Just like we have been exchanged, all creation is going to be changed. And I believe this old creation, this whole earth and all that's been created, are going to experience the same thing we experienced in the exchange. It's not going to be totally done away with. It's going to come into the glorious formation of the new. Revelation says, new, I make all things. New, I make all things. Not making old things new. New, he says, I make all things. Why? He's the God of the new. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. That means none of the old can come across into the new. Not one bit. <clears throat> mm. Behold, he says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all will be exchanged in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, where its old body is going to be exchanged like unto his glorious body. That's all we're waiting for. Because all the rest of it, he's finished and paid for. <clears throat> There is nothing that God has created, in fact, that which he is not intimately concerned. His fatherly love extends to every creature in the universe, to everything he's created. Jesus was sent by the Father to accomplish two things. First, to pay the penalty for our sin, that we might be forgiven and exchanged unto God. Second, to reveal God as Father and to make us members of his family. After his resurrection, he told Mary, Go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my Father and to your Father. I ascend to my God and your God. You see, most fellowships, part of the church, focus on the first part of redemption, which is the most important, I agree. But God's heart has more to do with forgiving you. He wants to be what? For you to be in the family. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. John 14, 1. In my father's house, home, are many rooms, the ESV says. See, it's not a little cabin over in the corner of Glory Land. We're talking family. In my father's home are many rooms. And I go to prepare a room for you so you can sit at father's table. It's more about family than it is just getting you out of this corrupted thing into somewhere else in a little cabin over the corner of glory land. Come on now. The goal is to make us aware that we have a family and we have a home. I enjoyed Paul's message on John 17. I want to read some of this to you. In John chapter 17. 
See, on these pages, it's still hard to turn. I'll get it. John 17. Now, what was he doing? This was the last time he was going to have time with his disciples. And he was beginning to, to pray for them. Jesus, this is what Jesus prayed as he looked up to heaven. Father. See. See this name, Father. For years, the children of Israel only knew him as Jehovah plus all the list. All the different names of Jehovah. But this name, we sing it today, this name that's above all names. This name, Father, they never understood. See, Jesus came to reveal the name of the Father. And you know, even when, when you know, uh, Judas said to him in, in John 14, show us the Father. And he says, have I been so long a time and yet have you not known me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why do you say, show us the Father? See, Jesus came to reveal the Father. Now I got a clue. He says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Why are we here? To reveal the Father. When the world sees us, they should see the Father. Because we're in union with him, the creator of the universe. See, and, and that's why he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your Son, so that I will magnify your glory. You have already given me authority over all people, so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given to me. Eternal life means to know and experience you, the only true God, and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you've sent. I have glorified you on, your, on earth by faithfully doing everything you told me to do. So, my Father, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face to face. Golly. Restore me back to the glory that I had with you when we were face to face. Before the universe was created. See, fatherhood has to come before anything else that God created. Father is the name that's above every name. Jesus prays for his disciples. Father, I have manifested who you really are. And I have revealed to them the men and women that you gave to me. They were yours and you gave them to me. And they have fastened your word firmly in their hearts. And now at last they know that everything I've given is a gift from you. The very word you've given to me I speak. I have passed on to them. They have received your words and carried them in their hearts. And they are convinced that I have come from your presence. And they have fully believed that you sent me to represent you. So with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world. But for those who belong to you, those you have given me, all those who belong to me now belong to you. And all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. Holy Father, I'm about to leave this world. Ten times in this book here, six times he's referred to Father and four times to, to God. See, the emphasis was on the Father. Making it aware. Holy Father, I'm about to leave this world to return and be with you. 
But my disciples will remain here. So I ask that you, by the power of your name, protect each one of them you have given me. Watch over them so they will be united as one, even as we are one. While I was with thee, them, these that you have given me, I have kept them safe by your name. That you have given me, not one of them is lost, except the one that was destined to be lost, so the scripture could be fulfilled. But now I'm returning to you. So, Father, I pray that they will experience the, and enter into my joyous delight in you, so that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. I have given them your message, and that is why the unbelieving world hates them. Do you know why Jesus was really crucified? Who can tell me the real reason Jesus was crucified? It's because when he said he was the son of God. When he said that he was the son of God, they went in rage. Because he said, why are you making yourself equal with God? They couldn't handle the fact that God would have a son. And that he had sent his son. See, that was the very reason that he was crucified. And the world hates them. For their allegiance is no longer to the world because I'm not a world. I'm not asking that you remove them from the world. But I'm asking that you guard their hearts from evil. For they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is truth. So make them holy by your truth. I have commissioned them to represent me. Why are we commissioned? Everywhere you go, everything you do. What did Paul say to the Corinthian church? You are our epistles, known and read of all men. Didn't say you went out preaching to everybody. It says your witness was the message. Your manner of life. When people look at you and and see what you're doing, they, they know that there's something different about you. Just as you commissioned me to represent you, And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so they will live as fully dedicated to to God and be made holy by your truth. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for those who one day will believe in me through their message. Say, that's me. And I pray for them all to be joined together as one union, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. And the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy face to face, the glory. We beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being exchanged into the very image even as by the Spirit of God. It's not a waste of time while we're here. We are in the process of becoming who we already are. We're coming into a manifestation and a realization of what he's already done in us and through us and for us. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them. So they will experience perfect unity And the world will be convinced that you have sent me. I believe the whole world would get converted if they saw all Christians loving one another in in one accord. Come on, don't shout me down. Yeah. So why is the devil so active? 
disunity. The wisdom from below is earthly, sensual, demonic. It's strife, jealousy, envy. But the wisdom from above is first gentle, easy to be received, full of mercy and compassion. That's the difference. <clears throat> For they will see you that see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. See, saints, it's very important. You know God loved Jesus, don't you? But Jesus said that God loves you with the same love he loved his son. Now, the key is you got to believe that. you got to quit listening to the devil trying to convince you that that's not who you are. That's absolutely who you are. He loves you with the same love. While you were yet an enemy of God, he loved you with that kind of compassionate love. That's incredible. But you've got to believe that. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given me to be with me where I am. Union, that they will see my full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me, because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. Catch that? You are my righteous Father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I have known you. <coughs> and all those who believe into me also know that you've sent me. I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them. Why is the Holy Spirit here? To make all the things of Christ and the Father real to you. That's why he's here. To take the things, the character, the nature, the glory of the Father and the Son and reveal it to you. Because that's who you are. So that you may experience the same endless love. You know, when I read that this morning, we was talking about that song, Reckless Love. I like the song. I catch myself singing it. But my wife and I have a little problem with that reckless thing. That reckless love. Because the definition in the dictionary is careless. Without care. Well, he's not without care. And I said, why don't we change that word reckless to endless love? Endless love. You can't end it. It's endless love. It's not reckless. It's endless. And when I saw that, it just jumped out. His endless love. It can never end. It's called eternal love. The eternal love of the Father. It's endless. That you have for me. The endless love. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. With endless love. Do you like the word endless? Is that a good exchange for reckless you say well that's awful legalistic well not really you know it offends my wife and it offends me and i'm sure there's people out here if you be honest that that word reckless offends you a little bit yeah see i see some head shaking so let's just don't throw out the song let's just adjust it a little bit huh can we handle that amen oh thank you lord God is love. All right. Okay. 
Father was the name, the name of Father. I manifested your name to them. That word manifest means to make evident or certain by showing or displaying. See, that's, that's what we're to do, by showing or displaying the Father, the manifest your name. Jesus manifested his fathers in the way he lived his life before his disciples in complete dependence and fellowship with his Father. Jesus said, I am the way, John fourteen six. I am the truth, the life. No one cometh to the Father except through me. Jesus, our Savior, he's our Savior, he's our intercessor, he's our mediator, he's our comforter. All of these things are wonderful, but it falls short of the name Jesus said. The ultimate purpose was to bring us into the Father. All those other things are just fruits from the relationship of our Father. You know, the scripture says the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and all that. But I really felt, and I've said it for years, that what that should read is the fruit of the Spirit is love. And from love comes all these other fruits. And the Passion Bible says that. So he feels the same thing I do. All the fruits come from love. Love is the main one. And all the other fruits come from love. <clears throat> and that's why God is love. Mm. Okay. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in times past to our fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us in his Son, is what the Greek says, in his Son. He's spoken to us in his Son. God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. God just didn't make Jesus. God was in Christ, reconciling, exchanging the world into himself. <clears throat> so don't think it was just Jesus. He was in Christ, reconciling the world. Hmm. Okay. Jesus was not just a prophet, he was his son. Jesus brought a revelation that had never been given before, a revelation that not only a son could bring, but a revelation of his father. Matthew eleven twenty seven. he said, All things have been delivered to me of my father, and no one can know the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son, and he to whom the son will reveal him. You remember when Jesus said, who did men say I am? Peter said, you're Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you because it's impossible. The Holy Spirit revealed to you that I'm the Son of God. It's a revelation of who he is. See, the world can never accept that. That has to come from a revelation of the Spirit. What does this, bottom line, what does this mean? <clears throat> What do we have when we know our Father? You know, in Psalms it said, If your father and your mother forsake you, I will take you up. I will, your Heavenly Father. And that's so much. We've seen so many people healed through the years because of fathers and mothers that didn't understand who they represented. And he said, If they, if they forsake you, I won't forsake you. I'll never forsake you. And he says in, in Isaiah 49, I think it is, Zion says, my God has forsaken me. God has forgotten me. 
And he says, can a woman forsake her suckling child? Forsake her? Yes, she might. But I won't. I've engraven you on the palms of my hands. And your walls are continually before me. God. Incredible. This is who you are. It's not just who he is. It's who you are. <clears throat> the benefits. Identity. You know the show Roots, the book Roots? You know there's a big deal made about Roots, where you come from. That, that triggered a whole world searching for the identity of where we come from. And even Christy got all of us those, what is that, come from that, to Ancestry.com. <clears throat> well, we all know where we come from now. And we didn't come from what we thought we did. You know, even... Even Delana had a little Iraqi in her. So you'd be shocked about where all you come from. But all that does is tell you where you earthly come from. The real need in every person that's seeking for identity out there, trying to find their identity, even in Ancestry.com. Why? Because they're trying to find an identity so where they fit. Find an identity. Because that's the thing that fallen man is searching for, an identity. Well, that need is answered in your father's love, in your relationship of exchange. You, don't, you no longer worry about where you come from. It's not who you were that counts, it's who you are, and your identity in Christ. <clears throat> Christianity answers that in identity crisis to bring men and women into a direct personal relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, his Son. You know God is your father, and you no longer have an identity problem. That's exchange of self-worth. You know, you've heard it all. all they have such a low self-esteem, self-worth. Well, when you get exchange, you lose that whole thing of self, and you become God-worth. God you exchange old self for new self, and that new self is living by the self of another. And it exchanges all of that low self-esteem. You know, remember Peter when he was denying he even knew the Lord and cursed and did all this stuff? But on the day of Pentecost, he didn't mind telling them exactly what was going on and what they did and everything else. And when they perceived the boldness of Peter and perceived that he'd been with the Lord, they took knowledge of what he was saying. Peter was no longer afraid for his life. He was no longer walking in fear of rejection and fear of failure and all the other fears that go with that old life. He was walking in the fullness of his dominion and identity as who he really was, Peter, not Simon. When Jesus said to, to Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, talking to the old Peter, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you. And after you've converted, come back to who you really are. Strengthen your brethren. And you know, that's when he, you remember Peter really messed up bad. Have you ever really messed up bad? And Jesus says, go tell my disciples and Peter that I'm risen. He was saying, don't leave Peter out. <clears throat> and I understand through reading some of these other manuscripts that Jesus had a conversation with Peter personally after his resurrection. Give me an amen. amen. Woo! Okay. 
exchange for self-worth for his worth. Father's love for us all, and with that love and that security comes security, boldness, to do what God's called you to do. <clears throat> 1 John 3, 1, in the New American Standard Version, Eric's anointed version back there, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be called children of God, and that's the Greek word, children, and such we are. Such what? We are. Mm. Once we really comprehend that we are the children of God and that he is our father, that he loves us intimately and personally, that he is interested in us, that he's never too busy for us, and that he desires a direct and personal relationship with us, then we discover our real worth. Then you know who you are. Awareness of his family, your heavenly home. And that's where I got Romans chapter 4, where it says, In our Father's house are many rooms, ESV. You have your own room. Now are you sons and daughters of God. What would happen if the church come into the full revelation of who they really were? Devil's done a good job, hasn't he? To intimidate every one of us. You know what was the real goal? Dominion. He's given you dominion. What is man? He's given you dominion over all the works of his hands. How much? All. All the works of creation has been given to you through that name. That's why he said, the works that I do shall you do. And greater works will you do because I'm going to my Father. And we're going to be in union and you're going to be with me. It's incredible who we really are. The riches that we have in Christ is incredible. It's not for future someday, just a few more weary days. Now, are you sons and daughters? When? Now, it is what? Finished. That's who you are. Sons and daughters. Well, let's stand. It is finished. I finished it. Mm -hmm. It's finished. Well, Father, we thank you that you have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We thank you, you are our Father God. We thank you, Lord, that we are children, we're in the family. And we thank you, Lord, that everything that's, that you've given to us has been freely given through Christ and the Holy Spirit's here to reveal it to us. And we thank you, Lord, that you blessed us with all spiritual blessings, not just some, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.